the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time for the Your Personal Bank Show with Ferrets Tove, financial literacy educator and speaker, entrepreneur, and chairman of the board of a bank in formation. Take charge of your financial future with Your Personal Bank. Now here's Ferrets Tove. Welcome to the Your Personal Bank Show, and this is Ferrets. And, well, this would not be a financial show if we did not talk about the failures of Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank. You know, there's been a lot. Unless you've been hiding under a rock, you've you've known about this. And anybody, if you've been listening to the show, you know, if, if you don't, I, I have, you know, of course, a financial background. I actually was chairman of the board of a bank in formation for a couple of years. And I have to say, I'm thankful that I, uh, I'm not doing that anymore. I got out of that about a year ago. Uh, there's a lot of challenges in starting a bank, particularly in this type of economy. Uh, I saw a lot of problems with the banking industry, and frankly, it's only gotten worse. There's several reasons. I've been asked by a lot of my clients, a lot of people reaching out to me, what do I think, what is, uh, what's happened. I've had some time to really delve into this and do some research, and, and there's uh, several reasons why Silicon Valley Bank failed. Um, some of them were their own fault. Some of them were outside influences. Uh, and some of it was just really bad management, uh, just some really stupid actions taken. Uh, for one, I've got to say right off the bat, um, Silicon Valley Bank in particular, the first bank to fail, was heavily, heavily focused on the, uh, you know, Silicon Valley and the startup industry. And they had ex- an exceeding amount, a high, high percentage of their depositors in one field, in one arena, one one industry. No diversification, in other words. And lack of diversification in the financial world is uh, a, a killer when things go bad. So the the fact they didn't diversify into other areas of business very much, if at all, is really, really short-sighted and really foolish from a business standpoint or a bank standpoint. Another really stupid move on their part was they... Um, you know, to, to, to attract more business, of course, they offered higher than average returns to investors if they deposited more than $250,000, in other words, above the FDIC insured limit. And they offered on average about 0.6% more. So a lot of these businesses and people who deposited their money there uh, only were doing it so they could get a higher return. A great example is Roku, uh, you know, sizable company, of course, had something like a quarter of their, um, how should I say, cash reserves, whatever, uh, deposited in Silicon Valley Bank, something like $400 billion, some, or a million, I'm sorry, $400 million, a, a crazy amount of money, okay, in one bank, one location. That's just foolish on the uh, Roku standpoint. Um very high risk, very foolish on the part for um, Silicon Valley Bank. 
not diversifying more, like I said. <coughs> Excuse me. So that so there's a lot of reasons that on that. The third thing I think I've seen, I've determined, and it's been well reported, is a lot, you know, the, when a couple of years ago or so, when the federal government started just helicoptering money into the system, a lot of it went into these Silicon Valley businesses, and they these companies had all, all of a sudden had all this excess cash, and they had to put it somewhere, and by putting it in this bank, it's offering slightly higher rates than other banks, you know, they, they were able to attract a lot of that money. And so the bank invested a lot of it in treasury bonds. They were paying low interest at the time. Of course, over the past year, it's been no secret at all. This is where the bank really made some stupid, uh, really poor management decisions. Terrible. Um, you know, the, the, the interest rates going up and new bonds paid more higher interest. Therefore, the bonds that paid lower interest were worth less. So the value of the the bank's bond bond portfolio just kept going down, and it seems like this bank did nothing about it. I mean that's just beyond the pale in terms of um, terrible management, just pathetic. And then when it comes out, like I, I saw this article, where it says meet the board, the directors. It turns out only one of the twelve board had any banking experience whatsoever. You know, that doesn't bode well either. You've got a 12-person board. Uh, unfortunately, and unfortunately, only one has any banking experience. Look, I understand diversity, diversity of experience of a board, but you need to have more experience than just one person on that board if you're going to run a bank and be successful. This, it's a business like any other, right? And then the, and then the last reason, the, the fourth reason really comes down to is is a bigger picture one, and it's and Silicon Valley Bank has been, uh, how should I say, criticized, uh, and fa- fairly so, I think, because of their embracement of the ESG platform, liberal agenda, the woke agenda, whatever you want to call it. And my point is, money and manpower went towards these ideas that have nothing to do with running a successful bank or any financial institution or any business for that matter. And and here's the problem with this, and that's where uh, a lot of people are are pointing out that, you know, more woke companies are going to fail. And, you know, Silicon Valley Bank, and I've heard some people call it Stupid Valley Bank for this reason, and rightly so, because, you know, there's human beings only have so much time there's only only so much energy, and focus is important, particularly any big big uh, any big endeavor or running a business, running a bank. It takes a tremendous amount of focus to be successful and to do well. And if you divide, even if you divide that focus, what you're doing is you're taking away from the things that would make you successful. So I believe, I, I rightly believe that the, uh, the fact that this bank was so focused, I mean, you looked on their website, it was just covered with all this DEI stuff and Pride Month Forum, and they had these meetings where they were talking about uh, pronouns with their employees and all, this, all these other things that just took time, money, energy, focus away from what the bank was supposed to do. Um, 
like you said, some people are talking about, you know, we all knew it was financially mismanaged, but it was probably the most woke bank in the existence of mankind, okay? And the fact is, that's part of the reason why it failed, and that's probably a big reason why they were so focused on these other things that they took their eye off the ball, if you know what I'm saying. And so they didn't realize that, for whatever reason, that their bond holdings that they held you know, we're losing value. I mean, I, they had to have known that, but they didn't take action to address it and say, say, sell some of those and maybe a small loss to purchase newer ones that paid higher interest to get, you know, to get a better return and, and keep their balance sheet strong. You see, banks have to have so much in cash reserves and things like that to stay solvent. And when you don't do those very basic things, these are things that are Banking 101, frankly, um, you're going to you're not going to succeed. And if the market or the economy or you have a bank run, so to speak, you're not going to you're not going to survive that. OK, it's plain and simple. So I think this focus on the woke agenda or whatever you want to call it is very, very detrimental to any business adventure, because, again, it takes time, money, energy, focus off the ball and they're going to lose. Well, they're just gonna they're gonna fail eventually. It's gonna catch up to them sooner or later. And as the economy gets tougher during tougher times, that's when they're really gonna struggle. On top of all that, so you've got all that's all the challenges with the banks in and of its the bank in and of itself. But on top of all that, then you've got the regulators. Okay, and you, you gotta wonder. Well, again, that's the. Huh, <laughs> Let me put it this way. That's been my beef for a while. I've been talking about this for quite some time, where the regulators, the folks in charge, are also asleep at the wheel. They're not paying attention either, okay? Because you've got situations where their, their, focus, their focus is wrong. It's on the wrong things, Okay. I mean, you've got th- literally three days, okay, three days before Silicon Valley Bank collapsed. Our Treasury Secretary, Janet Yellen, was cautioning at a, a speech that climate change put the banking industry at risk. Folks, that's in la-la land. She's speculating future tornadoes would diminish the value of a bank's assets. I mean, come on. Are you getting, are you, give me a break. All right, come on, man. That's what, you know, they say. Um Instead of watching and paying attention to the plummeting value of the bonds that they owned, for example, because interest rates were going up and the newer bonds were paying higher interest, they're more worried about storms and tornadoes. Okay, you know, if you're running a bank, that is not even on your top 20 priority list, okay? It's that kind of thing. That's, it's that utter incompetence of many of the leaders that we have, and that's what leads to these Things like bank collapses. We're going to see more problems as we we've seen many problems in the past. We're going to see more as we go forward uh, in the future. You know, another example is the Office of the Comptroller of the Currency, which is a part of the Treasury. They're responsible for examining the financial condition of banks, and it did nothing, absolutely nothing, to uh, avert the uh, Silicon Valley collapse. I mean, if if I had known that was what their balance sheet, I'd never heard of Silicon Valley Bank prior to a week or so ago. If I had known, I mean, I'm not, I'm not 
an expert, okay? But any basic person who understands a financial statement 101 could have looked at it. This is not rocket science, folks. I, if I had looked at the financial statement, I would have been able to determine, hey, this bank's in trouble. This is a problem. It wasn't... It wasn't... Uh, <laughs> It wasn't, it wasn't rocket science, like I said earlier. And how did they, that, which brings up another point, how did Silicon Valley Bank avoid oversight through this all this time? Well, it turns out that the Dodd-Frank reforms, which are kind of the rules that uh, banks have had to operate under uh, since the 08-09 uh, period of time, was they, they, they had standards for uh, you know, regulating the banks, and they had to report these various things. But the the threshold at the time when it was passed was a bank with fifty billion in assets. Well, that's in twenty eighteen. That was moved up to two hundred fifty billion in assets. And in fact, Silicon Valley Bank was one of those that advocated for that increase in limits. And although Silicon Valley Bank's assets increased significantly after o two or twenty twenty, it was still under that two hundred fifty billion dollar limit. So they were under the radar. Stay tuned in the next segment. I'm going to cover more of this and, and what you can, what we're going to be able to do, and what to what to look for as we go forward. So, don't miss this. Contact me at toll free eight six six two six eight four four two two or yourpersonalbank.com for more information. For more information on your personal bank, feel free to contact Ference at yourpersonalbank.com. Back to the Your Personal Bank Show with Ference Toth. Welcome back to the Your Personal Bank Show, and this is Ference. We were discussing in the first segment the failures of some of these banks, in particular Silicon Valley Bank. And as I pointed out, and if you missed it, I'm really going to encourage you to go to the website, my website, yourpersonalbank.com. You can listen to this or any of the previously recorded shows. Each has its own topic. There's several years of shows there, actually. Anything that interests you, check it out. Um, I'm not going to go into all the detail of it again. Like I said, if you miss in the first segment, go back to yourpersonalbank.com and check it out. But again, there were several things that caused a failure. It wasn't just one thing. So if somebody says it's this or it's that, it was multiple reasons. It was uh, too much focus in the startup industry with Silicon Valley, Valley Bank, lack of diversification of the depositors. So when that whole industry started slowing down because of higher interest rates, Instead of people investing and and starting new businesses, they start pulling their money out all at the same time, pretty much because they're in the same industry. That you know, lack of diversification is a problem. Um, their their focus on uh, the taking too much money in, put investing too much of their money in bonds that then later, with interest rates climbing, those bonds, those low interest bonds, start losing value and not doing anything about it. I mean, again, that's just economics one hundred and one, folks not reinvesting, reallocating the monies, that was just really bad management, really stupid, uh, really stupid move. And then, like I said, their focus of, you know, things that are not important for a bank, let's be real. Instead of focusing on on making sure their depositors and uh, investors were doing well and getting a good return, which is what your fiduciary requirements are supposed to be, they were focused on uh, woke agenda, all this other they've been were quoted the most woke bank in America. Well, when you ta- whether you agree with that, that, that all that agenda or not is not important here. What's important is understand, you take your eye off the ball. You you lose your focus. Start focusing on something that's not important. 
you know, you're not going to succeed. You're not going to do well at whatever it is you're trying to do. You know, you can't be an Olympic athlete and, and be a great athlete and, you know, half-ass working out. It doesn't work. And you can't be goofing around eating pizzas every day, right, doing other things other than, uh, say, training for your, um, for your Olympic event, right? That's just a basic common sense thing. And I guess I got to say this. I'm starting to get, I'm sure many of you are too, I'm getting really tired of, it, of living in a period of time that our world has gone batty. It's gone stupid. I'm, I'm, I'm sick of living with stupidity is what it, call, it, it seems like surrounding me. Um, common sense has always been uncommon. But I've never seen anything like this, not in my lifetime. I'll put it that way. Uh, and that's why some people are calling it stupid Valley Bank because it's, it's valid. Their, their actions were incredibly stupid. Um, they also were, you know, they were under the monitor, the, uh, the, the oversight limit for the Dodd-Frank requirements under $250 billion in assets, uh, which they helped, they helped to lobby for that, among others. Uh, they conveniently were under those limits, so they didn't have the more oversight and higher capital requirements that a larger bank has since the 0809 uh, when Dodd-Frank went into effect. So they, they, they were under the radar from the regulatory standpoint. But even that's not an excuse because there still are bank regulators that monitor banks under $250 billion, and their balance sheet was pretty darn obvious. Here, that it was there was a problem, major problem. Okay, so my my point is there are a lot of things that went wrong with this, and the sad part is it ain't over, folks. You know, you've got things like there are other banks that are have similar financial problems, and that's why you have like Moody's, for example, who one is predicting and still predicting a uh, a recession, but two they have now. Um, They've now, how should I say, downgraded the entire banking system to negative because there's so many problems. And, and the reason, and the other thing that's so aggravating about Silicon Valley Bank is something like 90% of the depositors had more than 250000 deposited in the bank. Now, that in itself is not smart. That's not financially responsible, not savvy. And apparently, though, didn't matter. A lot of these people, including people like Gavin Newsom, the governor of New York, you know, he uh, he cheered the federal government's decision to protect their depositors. Without mentioning, he happens to be one of them himself, both personally and through his wineries. The list goes on and on. That's just one example. Roku had something like four hundred million dollars there. Um, Silicon Valley Bank also was one of the biggest contributors out there to the Democratic Party and Democratic Democratic candidates. It makes you wonder a little bit. These people were concentrating uh, so much of their money into this one bank, which happened to be one of the top banks in the country that was supporting startups uh, for green energy thing, developments and things like that. Did they know something the rest of us didn't know? Why were they willing to risk their money knowing that it wasn't insured over 250000 yet willing to put in millions of dollars there. It makes you wonder a little bit. And then now the Treasury Department has come out and, and made all the depositors completely whole. I have a simple question. If this was the Bank of East Palestine and it was just a bunch of average folks, do you think, of the, and there were people in there that had more than 250000 
Do you think our fe- our federal government would have stepped in and made those depositors whole? I don't think so. I guess we'll never know. But my point is, it's now a set, a set a standard. I'm going to talk about this further today that is very, very disturbing for the future of money and our economy and inflation and all those things we have to deal with in the future. And that 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 standard, if you will, that's changes, this is a step in the wrong direction, I believe, but it's it's a step in the way of says, look, we're gonna be we're gonna cover the deposits for anybody in a bank if it fails, regardless of the size of the deposit. In other words, now that they've bailed out Silicon Valley Bank and Signature Bank in New York, which is not much different, when the next bank goes down, and there'll be another one, I'm quite sure, how are they going to say no to them? In fact, I think in some respects, this is what they want. You know, like they always say, don't let a crisis go to waste, right? My point is, and it's not only here, but it's, ha- it's in Europe too. In fact, Credit Suisse, one of the la- eighth, it's the eighth largest bank in the world. The Swiss government has now stepped in and to bolster Credit Suisse from failing. They gave them a $50 billion loan. You know, when Swiss banks are having trouble, you know things aren't good. The system, the monetary system, the financial system that we have now has some fundamental flaws, some significant fundamental flaws, and a lot of it goes back to the recession, the Great Recession, 08-09, when the government stepped in and bailed out the banks. And here we are again, not bailing out banks directly, but we're bailing out depositors regardless of how much money they have in there, even though only $250,000 supposedly is insured. Why is that? Well, I'm going to encourage you to stay tuned in the next segments because I'm going to talk about and discuss exactly what happened and why they did it and what we should expect going forward. Folks, this is going to be really eye-opening, so I'm going to encourage you not to miss it. If you want to contact me for more information on how to navigate all this in the meantime, call me at toll-free 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. Again, it's 866-268-4422. Don't miss the next segment. For more information on your personal bank, feel free to contact Ference at yourpersonalbank.com. Back to the Your Personal Bank Show with Ference Toth. Welcome back to the Your Personal Bank Show. This is Ference, and we've been discussing these recent bank failures. And like I said, this is a fast-moving situation. By the time you listen to this, because this does get aired on multiple stations and at different times, things could have evolved further. But at this point, of course, several banks have been bailed out, including the U.S. and Europe. Okay. Um Certainly, some of those bank those banks made made some mistakes, no question. Management mistakes. Their focus, some of them, their focus was not on the ball. They were focused on things other than their fiduciary responsibility to uh, manage the money that they were in charge of. But what what happened? Well, the regulators, what they've done is they have stepped in, made the depositors whole, regardless of the amount of money they had deposited, which is 
setting a new standard. So FDI insurance that used to be two hundred fifty thousand dollars is is now effectively unlimited, which leads us to the the lead us to the next step to a national banking system. And I'm gonna share with you why this why this is going on and why this is so important and why you should be concerned. In the short term, it sounds good. You're getting bailed out. You know, your money was in there. You had too much in there. You shouldn't have. That was foolish. That was financially foolish, but they bailed you out anyway. And that seems like a good thing short term. But what does it do? Well, where did that money, where is that money coming from to bail out the bank? Well, initially, they're using some of the funds from FDIC that they had in reserve for this type of thing. But the reality is, the reality is there's only about $120, $130 billion in the FDIC insurance system. After they use that up, and, and Silicon Valley Bank by themselves was, you know, well, about $200 billion bank, okay? After those funds are used up, they've kind of, and, and they, they build out Signature Bank also and, and, and whatnot. The, they've used up a good portion of that just in these first couple of bank failures. What happens when the next bank or banks go down? Where's the money going to come from there? Guess what? They're going to print it. The Federal Reserve will just crank up the printing press and print more dollars. What does that do? Contributes to more inflation. So the claim is, so the political the leaders are saying, Biden and all of them, or Janet Yellen and all of them are saying that it's not going to cost the taxpayers any money. Maybe not directly, but it will certainly cost all of us more in, in terms of inflation. They also have set up something called the Bank Term Funding Program, and it's designed to help troubled banks meet customer withdrawals. In other words, they understand that Signature Valley Bank and whatnot were not the only banks in trouble, and Signature Bank and others. What it is, a lot of these banks have bonds they bought when the interest rates were low because they were low for so long, and now they've aggressively raised them. So those, the new bonds pay so high, much higher interest, so the old bonds aren't worth as much. Well, now the banks can take one-year loans from the Fed with assets such as treasuries or mortgage-backed securities as collateral priced at face value. In other words, they're going to give them, even though the value of those bonds have gone down or those, those mortgages, mortgage-backed securities have gone down, because their interest rates were low, they're gonna they're gonna credit them as if they had not lost any value. <clears throat> and Treasury is gonna put twenty five billion to cover losses initially. Obviously, if they need more, they're gonna add more to it. Now, where did the twenty five billion come from? Well, remember, one of the my favorite statements is the federal government has no money, none whatsoever. The money they have, they get two sources from taxpayers, and they print it. So that $25 billion came from either taxpayer dollars, you and I, in other words, the taxpayers are on the hook, or they printed it, which is one more likely option, frankly, because they've already spent everything they brought in and then some. So that means they printed more, which means more dollars in the system, which means more inflation, which means we all pay more. Remember, inflation is a hidden tax. Whether you're a taxpayer or not, you're going to pay more for food and clothing and housing and other things as a result of this money that they're, they're printing to bail out the depositors, okay? 
So they call the administration officials say it isn't a bailout because the stock and bondholders won't be protected. But, but the depositors are, okay? And regardless of how much they put in the money. So the amount of money that's going to ultimately be spent on this pro this new program they've come up with to the bank term funding program to help banks how much is actually going to cost us in terms of inflation and actual dollars they print is unknown we don't know which again creates a new reality see in 0809 oh i guess i'm going to have to i'm going to have to stop on this cuz i'm going to share Something I'll share it in the next segment. I'll talk about this, how things have changed now in terms of, like, investments and, and the money in the bank and all that versus before 0809. So stay tuned. Contact me at toll-free 866-268-4422 for more information. For more information on your personal bank, feel free to contact Ference at yourpersonalbank.com. Back to the Your Personal Bank Show with Ference Toth. Welcome back to the Your Personal Bank Show. It's Ference. Well, we've been discussing the bank failures, what's happened. Now we're going to talk about what's going to happen going forward. We all know that the depositors have been have been <clears throat> taken care of, protected. The uh, FD, uh, the FDIC, or I should say, Treasury Department has developed a new program called the Bank Term Funding Program. They've already put $25 billion into it, mostly print, well, probably all printed dollars. Again, they don't, the federal government doesn't have any money, so it's just going to contribute more to inflation. Um, so they can take out one-year one loads from the Fed so that if people start having a run on the bank, they can take the money from the Fed and pay, and pay the depositors. So they, it'll reduce the likelihood of more banks failing going forward. You know, in the short term, that all sounds great. But again, you need to understand the reason we're here and where we're headed. We're here because back in 0809 we had something called the Great Recession. And we had it because we had too much debt and too much deficit spending. Our federal government was spending too much money and was pouring too much money into the system. And the banks were failing and they decided to bail out the banks, which meant they added money. It's it's like adding gas to the fire. In other words, the problem is caused because too much money is being spent. And so your solution is to spend more. Well, you have a raging fire and you want to you want to put it out. What does our government do? They take gasoline and throw it on there. Makes it worse. Okay? Well, they're doing the same thing again. Although this time they're not bailing out the banks directly. <clears throat> they're bailing out the depositors unlimited. They're also providing extra liquidity for these banks to be able to give, you know, give people who want to take withdrawals. But what it's doing is creating, adding to the inflation fire that's already burning. In other words, folks, what the central bankers of the world, it's not just the United States, it's in Europe, it's in all the Western world, they have essentially told us that we're not going to allow anything, any bank to fail or anything like that. And they, they, I understand why they're doing it, but, I, but in the long run, it's going to hurt us even further. Here's what I mean. 
when Lehman Brothers failed in 2008, 2009 crash, that's what that was sort of the beginning of all that. And that's when they bailed out the rest of the banks and all kinds of things happened, right? Well, they don't want to see that kind of thing happen again. Like I said, again, the short term, that sound may sound good. It may sound like it's a good thing. But sometimes you have to allow companies, zombie companies, a lot of times uh, many people have termed this, including zombie banks, they have to fail to learn a lesson. If, if Silicon Valley Bank had been, allow, had been allowed to fail, the folks who had 250000 or less would have been reimbursed by FDIC. Anything over that would have been, you know, sorry, that was a bad fight. People would have learned really quick and would not have made that mistake again. And then there, some financial responsibility would have started coming into play. The bankers, the managers were recognized, oh, oh my gosh, I can't do that. You know, we can't do that kind of thing or, or uh, you know, our folks aren't going to get bailed out. <clears throat> well, what's happened is the opposite. In other words, bad behavior is being warned, uh, rewarded. Stupid behavior is being rewarded. Bad management is being rewarded, okay? And it's kind of that whole idea is never let a, a crisis go to waste. I think this is what the federal government wants. They've been wanting for quite some time to create and take over banking, national banking. That's why you're hearing many top Democrats stating that FDI should be reexamined the $250,000 threshold. But even more important than that, you need to prepare because there's over 100 governments around the world are making big pushes now to um, to uh, to create their own, uh, how should I say, uh, digital currencies. So they're, so bottom line is, they're going to, the plan is they understand the central bank digital currency is not something that people will accept willingly. But if they have enough fear, COVID taught them that, right? If you scare people enough, you can get people to do things they wouldn't normally do otherwise. The heightened fear of bank runs and the growing calls for more government controls to prevent another Silicon Bank Valley you know, catastrophe is created the opportunity for governments to step in and present central bank digital currency as a solution. And on the surface, it sounds good. It'll, like they'll say, it'll allow you to protect you from, me, uh, you know, bank runs. You know, they're already blaming social media for creating the bank run on Silicon Valley Bank. It added to it, it contributed to it, but it didn't cause the problem. The bank had bad management and did, did a lot of things very poorly, and we talked about that in the first segment. Okay, and they didn't have their eye on the ball either. They were focused on other things that are not important. Okay, so... <clears throat> The other thing that the governments are trying to say now is that central bank digital currency will provide financial stability. In other words, they're saying, look, ultimately, the government is who stepped in to guarantee the bank customer deposits. Okay? And the people who had those that money in there, I'm sure, appreciate that fact. It wasn't guaranteed, yet the government came in and took our, took care of them. Okay? So what they're saying is, look, the central bank digital currency should be used for customer deposit protection. 
you know, the governments are already making, have been making direct payments to citizens. Think about the COVID checks, the COVID payments. You know, they've been paying, you know, Social Security payments and Medicare and different things like that for years. More recently, the COVID checks that went out to a much wider audience, right? So the government is slowly but steadily increasing this. They're walking us down this path, and they're trying to assert that this will be more streamlined, more efficient. We're the ultimate guarantors anyway, all these kinds of things. Well, here's the problem. Think about this. If the only bank in town, the only money in town is a digital currency by the Federal Reserve, that means they could do, what else could they do? Well, they could literally track every transaction you ever made. Now, why is that a problem? Well, quite simply, it's quite simple why that's a problem. Ever heard of the, the didn't the government want to put in things like vaccine passports? Digital IDs, contact tracing. Ever heard of something called social credit, like China puts into effect? In other words, if you're not in agreement with whoever happens to be in charge, and this is where if they could, this is what social credit does. It's operating like this in China. If you're not on the approved list or you get demerit, you know you can walk across the street in China and you go and you jaywalk for example and they have cameras that take pictures of you jaywalking this is real folks i check this out this is real you jaywalk they have facial recognition cameras they recognize who you are you are jaywalking you broke the law and they automatically deduct the fine from your bank account folks that's where we're headed if we allow the government to introduce and become, make it widely acceptable to have a central bank digital currency. What if you're speeding? Well, they, they're going to track that. You don't think they have the ability to track that in your car? And instead of having a police officer pull you over and all this other stuff, they track you speeding, and then they deduct a fine from your account automatically the next day because you were going too fast. The... Ability for them to control the way we spend our money is nearly unlimited. What if they want to promote economic spending or in a certain area or a certain, let's say, all right, you have X amount of dollars in the bank right now, and in, in 90 days, your account goes down 10% if you don't spend it, per, you know, because they want to stimulate the economy. Again, the the this is real, folks. This is not. This is not. Uh, how should I say? Uh, fantasy. This is not conspiracy theory. You know the Davos stuff. They've talked about actively wanting to do this kind of thing, and they are working. There are credible folks in the government actively working towards this, and using this crisis of these bank failures and and stepping in and pe- making people whole. Regardless of the limits, all these are steps in the process. Folks, we need to elect people who are against this. We need to be we need to stay on top of this. We need to make sure that our government doesn't have control of all our money. That's the first thing we can do to protect ourselves. What else can we do? 
Think about tangible assets. And by the way, if you're going to purchase tangible assets, which tend to, because that's the other part of it is, with the government just the central bankers willing to bail out apparently any bank or depositor, regardless of the amount, they're just going to continue to spend more money. They're not going to let something fail. They're just going to keep spending money. I've heard some of them talk about, well, they have an endless supply of money because they have the printing press, right? And I've even heard some people say, well, if you have infinite money, what do you need my taxes for? And that's a valid argument. The, the problem is that's going to incur more and more inflation. Tangible assets will help offset that, okay? Having less cash is going to make cash is going to be lose value over time, folks. Creating positive arbitrage with your personal bank is also a way to make your money go farther. So if you're going to purchase tangible assets, I'm going to just tell you straight up, it'd be wiser to do it through your personal bank because the other advantage of that is it's, it's interest rate sensitive. So if we're going to have higher than average inflation, I think we're going to have a higher inflation uh, deal with than you know the 2% or 1% inflation that we saw the previous decade, less than 1%. I think those days are behind us for a while, at least until the central banks change their tune. We're going to probably have, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if we're going to be seeing 3 or 4% inflation at least as a norm. And those 4% could be the norm instead of, say, 1% or 2 and it's just going to eat away, gradually eat away at your money. So you have to have your money work for you. And a higher interest rate environment means interest rate uh, sensitive assets are going to be more important. So your personal bank falls into that category and bonds and different things like that, CDs, those types of things, anything interest rate sensitive. You know, if you want more information on your personal bank and how that works, call me at 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. Those are the things that you're going to need to look into. And, again, it's 866-268-4422. And you might want to use a personal bank to access the funds, get the positive arbitrage, and purchase those tangible assets. You know, I've never been a big fan of precious metals, but I'm becoming more so now because it's more of a tan and and more of like property, real estate, things like that. I'm waiting. I would wait because the values are are high, interest rates are high. And the values are probably coming down, but when the time is right, it can make a lot of sense. It's gonna we're gonna have to change how we operate with our money, where cash is not going to be king in the future. It was in the past, not going to be in the future unless the central banks dramatically change their tune. Doesn't look like they're going to, and they're gonna bail things out and just print more money, which is gonna create more inflation. So if you want to learn how to navigate all this and thrive, there's a way, you know, there's people going to there's people going to suffer through this and there's people going to thrive through this. A lot of it's going to be the actions that they take. If you want some direction, you want some ideas, maybe change your direction or diversify or, or help thrive through this, contact me at 866-268-4422 or yourpersonalbank.com. Again, it's 866-268-4422. 4422. And it's still on our money, so in God we trust. For more information on your personal bank, feel free to contact Ference at yourpersonalbank.com. 
This show is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information. The presenter and guest on this program do not engage in legal, accounting, or tax advice. Professional advice regarding your situation should be sought if required. Products and riders may have limitations and may not be available in all states. Excessive unpaid loans may affect performance. Distributions may become taxable if not managed properly. Replacements may not be suitable for everyone. There may be charges when replacing coverage. Compare it when considering a replacement. Dividend rates and baseline of credit rates may change. Contact your personal bank for current rates. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.